0: hi listeners you're welcome to family alive ministry aka fam god began the world with a family and it must be our goal to maintain that plan a godly family will produce a godly world we hope as you listen to this message the vision to restore god's plan in families will be impressed on your heart now today's message it's good to see you in church right we want to conclude our discussion on foundations for kingdom worship hallelujah Our main text is John chapter 4, from verse 20 to 24. John 4, 20 to 24. As you open your Bibles, I hope you can answer this question for me. How are you doing? The response is not forthcoming. I hope you are doing well. Right. I am also doing well. John 4. 27 or 24. Right, let's start from verse 20. John chapter 4, verse 20. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. The mountain that the woman was referring to was a mountain where the Samaritans used to worship. But the Jews said that worship must be in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, w- believe me, woman. A time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. So last week we, we were discussing that worship is based on relationship. So if you don't know God, you cannot worship him. Amen. You must first have a relationship with God to claim that you worship him. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. Verse 24, God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and truth in truth. Amen. The mystery of worship is such that it is the only thing that we continue to do after time has come to an end. When time comes to an end and we enter into eternity in the presence of God, we are not going to make intercessions. Hallelujah. We are not going to pray for our wives and pray for our husbands. We are not going to cry to God pass that exam that has been you know bashing us from year to year but what we continue to do is worship day and night we will worship or maybe day and day because there will be no night for our lord jesus will shine as the sun and there will be no night and that is what we we are going to do every time just in worship bowing down lifting our hands dancing before the throne of glory Exalting him with our words. So worship is a very serious thing. And God doesn't take it for granted. Amen. In John chapter 4, the conversation centered around the temple. And the concept of a temple also relates to the presence of God. Now, before the temple was built in Israel, where God was worshipped, god gave a blueprint to moses which was the tabernacle and he asked moses to look at it and replicate the same thing on the earth so that anytime time the people of god came to worship they would be doing what actually goes on in heaven then the tabernacle became the temple where the ark of god was amen now the temple has dimensions And various areas and our understanding of this helps us to worship as new testament believers because even though we are not in jerusalem we are worshiping god as though we are in the temple that is what jesus said he said that a time is coming when you will not go to jerusalem physically but wherever you are you can worship god so you can be in your room and you are having service as though you are in the temple. So it is good for us to understand what the temple means and the various dimensions of the temple. Now we'll not go so much into that, but then we'll touch on one or two things that will help us in our worship of God. Are you with me? Amen. So we are we are in the presence of God. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes you want to go to Israel to feel holy. <laughs> okay. And um one of our mentors said that, I mean, think about the hydrological cycle, or the water cycle. The water in which Jesus was baptized, it has evaporated. <laughs> it has formed clouds, and the clouds have given rain. I believe those clouds have moved to Ghana. Yeah. And they are hanging on my roof. Yes. So it is good for us to understand the temple. Now, the concept of houses or buildings is a major theme in the Bible because it is God's way of telling us about his presence. He takes us on a journey. He takes us on a journey from the tabernacle. We go to the temple, and now we have many temples. Amen. Amen. The temple had a gate that led into the building, the temple, right, and that the first place was called, I mean, an outer court, an outer court, and then there was a place that was separated from the outer court, where the high priest was the only person who could enter once in a year. Amen. Now let's look at something in Psalm hundred. Psalm hundred. Hallelujah. This scripture always gets me excited. Yeah. Shout for joy to the Lord. Um, let's do New King James. Make a joyful shout to the Lord. All you lands. Verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Verse 3. Know that the Lord he is God; it is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Verse four. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. Verse five. For the Lord is good; His mercy is everlasting his truth endures to all generations is there another verse no for the lord is good his mercy is everlasting his truth endures to all generations this is one of the songs or the psalms that is known as the, the psalm of ascent because the temple was on a hill so to go to the temple you have to climb up jerusalem is founded on hills one of the hills is mount zion and the actual place of the temple is mount moriah or that place which is believed to be where abraham sacrificed isaac or was about to sacrifice isaac right so to go to the temple you have to climb up and that is significant that is significant but let's go back to verse one it says shout to the lord or make a joyful shout to the lord hallelujah thank god that gradually the church is coming to a place where we embrace the scripture with all entirety because some time ago we believed that to be in the presence of god was to be moody but if you look at the throne of god the kind of noise that is going on there you have no idea the seraphim cry one to another holy and the sound of their voices shake the foundations of the temple the gates of the temple the noise the noise amen there's so much noise before the throne hallelujah make a joyful shout to the lord all you lands so when you come to church and we are shouting unto the lord please lay aside your diplomacy Lay aside. And when you see us shouting, don't think we are crazy. Someone said, even if we are crazy, we are crazy for the Lord. But don't think we are crazy. It's because we are just fulfilling righteousness. It says, make a joyful shout unto the Lord. Verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Serve the Lord with gladness. One requirement of the true worshiper is serving the Lord with gladness. Serving the Lord with gladness. That is, that, is, I mean, that is the way to experience the joy of the Lord. Serving the Lord with gladness. Come to church with gladness. Have your quiet time with gladness. When you hear that we are going to do outreach, come with gladness. When you hear about prayer meeting, come with gladness. If you hear Bible study, you say, oh, I am happy. Where is my Bible? Come with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Amen. Serve the Lord with gladness. Now, it says, come before his presence with singing. Come before his presence with singing. Because at the time, the presence of God was in the temple. In the holy of all holies. Where only the high priest could go once in a year so when it says come before the lord with singing or come before his presence with singing that is what it meant so what does the picture look like as they were climbing the hill to go into the temple they were singing on the way to the temple they were singing hallelujah i mean imagine if you don't sing you'll be tired you you feel the tiredness because you have to climb It's it's a sum of ascent you know so they were singing as they went before the temple. Hallelujah. Then he says, No, the other verse says that, For the Lord, know that the Lord is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. Like I said, worship is based on relationship. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. So as they were climbing, whether they were rich, poor, male, female, whatever, they were all coming with the understanding that it was God who had made them. So anytime we come before the presence of God, I mean, for now, let me put it that way, we come with the understanding that it is God who has made us. And like I said last week, um, you know, sometimes you want to encourage people to say, It is not because of your intelligence. It is the the mercy of God. Even the intelligence is not yours. Even the intelligence is not yours. Somebody must invent a plane for the rest of us to enjoy. Because God cares for all his creation. So he gives the wisdom to one person. It is God who has done it. So even the intelligence is not yours. Right. Right. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now, verse 4 takes us into the temple. He says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Hallelujah. One of our mentors says, we come before God, but he must bring us before his presence. So when we are in worship, we enter into God's gates with thanksgiving. What does that mean? By the time you are moving from outside the temple into the temple, your your concentration is on the things of the world. You are singing, you are preparing your heart. But your concentration is, is still on the things of the world because you are distracted, you can see things around. Maybe some exam you failed, you know. Is coming to mind. That boy who broke your heart. Unfortunately, or fortunately, he's also in the church. So you, you can still see him. Right? So there are so many distractions. But by the time you are entering into the temple, it says, enter with thanksgiving. Enter with thanksgiving. So whatever comes to our mind is an opportunity to thank God. Because in worship, Like I said, we come before God, but he brings us before his presence. So we must prepare ourselves. How do we do that? Whatever comes to the mind that is like a distraction, you turn it into thanksgiving. And by so doing, you move from the outside into the temple. So if there is a disappointment that comes to mind, you thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I've moved on. You find your words to thank the Lord if it was um, a certain failure that comes to mind, maybe as you lift up your hands, the devil begins to show you pictures of that girl that you kissed under the tree. Without paying bright price. As you remember that it sang the Lord, that Lord, thank you for deliverance. Thank you that you have separated me now. Thank you for healing. Thank you for healing my broken heart. Thank you. So by doing that, we translate from outside the temple into the temple. Are we together? Right. So it is enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Life bombards us with so many things. So many things. And the one thing that becomes a battle in our lives is what we do with our will, not even sin. Before sin entered into the world, man had a will. So in worship, what we do with our will matters. So when your mind is roaming, you can intentionally turn that into thanksgiving. So he says, enter into his gates, move from the outside, move from the place of distractions and move from the place of the flesh and enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And then it says, enter into his courts with praise. With praise. Hallelujah. Are we together? Praise is a powerful tool. It's a powerful tool that brings us into, (laughs) should I say the presence of God? Amen. Now, there are very, various forms of praise. We mentioned some last week. One of the, the forms of praise I want to mention is dancing before the Lord. Right. I'm trying to find a scripture. Let's look at Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Are you aware Zephaniah is in the Bible? <laughs> mm-hmm. One of the things we will do is to have a Bible reading challenge. Yeah. Zephaniah. The Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Even God is rejoicing. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Hey. So God sings. God sings so can you imagine God singing praise sitting down with his hands between his legs and then he's singing praise over you so when God sings I believe God dances yeah because it says that he delights in us and one of the, uh, the definitions of that word delight is to rejoice with dancing with excitement right He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Hallelujah. Let's look at the scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Hebrews 12, 22. Reading from verse 18, please. Verse 18. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire, and to blackness and darkness and tempest. Verse nineteen, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them any more. Verse twenty, for they could not endure what was commanded, and if so much as a beast touches the mountain it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow verse 21 and so terrifying was the sight that Moses said I am exceedingly afraid and trembling this is talking about when God visited his people in the wilderness on Mount Sinai and Moses the prophet was supposed to be the intercessor between the people and God himself was afraid because of the kind of presence that came upon the mountain Sinai. Now verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. 23. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. To God, the judge of all to the spirits of just men made perfect 24 to jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things that, than the blood or than that of abel let's look at verse 25 see that you do not refuse him who speaks for if they did not escape, who refused him who spoke on earth? Much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Right. Um, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not the earth, but also the heavens. We'll end on verse 24. So, this was the encounter God used to have with his people. Are you with me? And any time he came on Mount Sinai, there will be trembling and a lot of I mean, darkness, thundering, lightnings, and the people were even scared. The the presence of God was so holy that the mountain on which he descended became holy. And so he said that not even an animal should touch the mountain. Hallelujah. Now, in contrast, the writer of Hebrews says, but we, we have come to Mount Zion. But we have come to Mount Zion Now, there are a few things I want us to pick from that passage, from verse 22 to maybe 24. We have come to Mount Zion, and I've mentioned that though physically we are not in Jerusalem, we can worship in the temple. Hallelujah. We have come to the city of the living God, so we are his people. We belong to him. We have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. We have come to a place of numerous angels who cannot be numbered. We have come to the place of millions and millions of angels. So as we are seated here, there are angels here. As we are seated in this place, there are angels. So whatever we do is important. It must be holy unto God because there are angels with us here. You know, by extension, we may say that the angels there refer to messengers that God sends into our lives because the word angel means messenger in the Hebrew. But then he's talking about tangible manifestation of angels. As in angels, not a metaphor. Angels. So angels are here. Amen. And we don't need to feel a certain way or to see something before we know that angels are here. Angels are in our midst. (laughs) Do you believe it? Only two people believe it. Do you believe that angels are here? Yes. There are angels here. We have come to an innumerable company of angels. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14, Are they not ministering spirits who have been sent? Hebrews 1 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who inherit salvation? Not minister to, but minister for. So they are around waiting to do something you say. That's why I said that in worship, we don't say what you don't mean, because words are important. Amen. We have come to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. The firstborn here is talking about Jesus the Christ, the first person to be resurrected. You know, all the other people who were raised from the dead, they were only shadows pointing to. The fact that there is a resurrection, like Pastor Rod preached about the other day. But Jesus is the first person to be resurrected. When Jesus was coming from the dead, there was nobody to intercede for him to come back to life. And he's alive, not to die again. But all those who were raised before Jesus, they died again. Lazarus died. Tabitha died. Talita died. The Shunammite's daughter and son died. All of them died, but Jesus doesn't die. So he's the firstborn from the dead. That's what it means. We have come to God, the judge of all. We have come to God, the judge of all. Hallelujah. Judge of, judge of all means that he judges everybody, <laughs> whether great or small, poor, rich, male, female. He judges everybody everybody and he judges in truth justice and righteousness hallelujah so in worship we must have this in our in our in in our minds at the back of our mind that we have come to god the judge of all hallelujah (laughs) we have come to god the judge of all I remember a story, this is not in the Bible, it's a story that one pastor shared, said a young Catholic priest was sent to his station. The first time he he preached, there was a woman in the church who despised him in her heart. And since that time, the woman fell sick until one day she met a prophet and the prophet told her that the reason why you are not fine is because there was a young man in your church who was preaching and you despised him in your heart. She did not even talk. You despised him saying that I am older than, that. I am older than this man. Why should he be my pastor? And that is why you are sick. Yeah. So go and look for the pastor. And make sure that he forgives you. Then you'll be fine. So the woman went, met the pastor, or the reverend father, who did not know what was even happening. He did not even spend three hours praying and binding his enemies. He was despised by a woman in the congregation. And she fell sick. Apparently it was a stone that was deposited in her stomach. Yes. (laughs) Hmm. We have come to God, the judge of all. (laughs) Hallelujah. The sickness was a very embarrassing thing. I don't want to go there. It's linked to the stomach, so you can think about it. So because of that, the woman was not married. Nothing was going on. You know, we have come to God, the judge of all. You know, in the New Testament, there, there is a church, or there was a church that was so gifted. The members of the church were so full of the Holy Ghost. When it comes to giftings, the charisma, they did not lack anything. They had revelation. They had knowledge. They were gifted in utterance. They had word of wisdom, word of knowledge, prophetic word. They had so many revelations and everything. But Paul wrote to them saying that most of you born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, you are a people of God but you are dying before your time. And you are falling sick because you have not descended the body of Christ. These people will come to the church and when it is time for communion, they will eat and drink and get drunk. So the question is, what kind of drink were they even using for the communion? Because they were getting drunk at the table of the Lord. And the Lord said, with all the giftings, and the fact that you still belong to God, you are dying before your time. We have come to God, the judge of all. Now, God will not be the one judging us. Because even if he wants to judge us, we have intercesses. Jesus is interceding for us and pleading, saying, mercy, Lord, mercy, mercy. So God will not judge us. But there are spiritual protocols and there are things that we ourselves can activate so in worship we must know that we have come to the judge of all hallelujah are you with me what's the next one you have come to the spirits of just men made perfect to jesus yes the mediator of the new covenant to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. thanks be to god for jesus who is interceding for us? And I how the anchor, I don't know how many stones will be in my stomach. <laughs> the way I judge people's messages, oh, this one, hey! <laughs> by now, can imagine. Yeah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. So we have come to Mount Zion. We have come. To the city of the living god there is another temple which i believe is the ideal temple which is not a physical temple but this temple was revealed to ezekiel in a vision so from ezekiel chapter 40 to verse 48 he talks about another temple now this temple is similar to the temple of solomon in many ways but the main difference that we see, no, Ezekiel 40, I mean, 41, 42 to 48, the whole chapter. If you want to read, we'll not leave here today. Yeah. The main difference is that in Solomon's temple, you find human beings, you find people ministering before the Lord. But in Ezekiel's temple, there is no human being, it is only God. It is only God. And the name of God in that temple is Jehovah Shammah the God who is present, the God who is in his temple, who has taken over everything in his temple. So no human being is ministering. God is the only person there. He doesn't need any man coming to do anything. He is the only person all by himself. The Lord is present. Hallelujah. Ezekiel 48, I think verse 13, talks about a river that flows from this temple. Throughout the city to meet the Dead Sea. No, let's look at nineteen. Is it nineteen? It is well. Yeah, so they shall cultivate it because the river is flowing now. Right, we'll find it. So please when you go home, take time to read the whole chapter. (laughs) Yeah. So there is a river that flows from this temple that flows throughout the city of Jerusalem into the Dead Sea and brings life to the sea. And wherever the river flowed, it brought life. It brought nourishment. It brought refreshing, this particular temple. For the other temples, there were human beings in it, but for this temple, it's only God. And there's a river that comes out of it. And flows through the city. The psalmist said that there is a river that flows through that flows through the city of God. There is a river. I think Psalm forty-six. Psalm forty-six. It just came to mind. Psalm forty-six. Hallelujah. Psalm forty-six, verse one: God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Verse two. Therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be moved and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, verse 3, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, verse 4. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High, verse 5. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall, God shall help her just at the break of dawn. There is a river. There is a river, verse 4 again, that flows through the city of God. Whose streams make glad the city of God. Now, in Ezekiel's vision, there is a river coming from the temple that is also flowing through the city. And wherever it flowed, there was nourishment, and there was life. Amen. Now, I want to bring everything to perspective. The kingdom of God, as we understand, is not relegated to a place. The kingdom of God extends wherever his throne is. The river there, I believe, signifies both the ministration of the word of God and the move of the Holy Spirit. Moses said that, let my teaching come unto you like rain, like showers, signifying water. Ephesians 5.26, that he might present it through the washing of word. Okay? Through the word by the washing of water. So the word of God is water. So the water there is the word of God. Then again, we see Jesus referring to the ministry of the Holy Spirit as water. Mighty rushing waters. John seven thirty eight. it says that if you believe, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. The water flowed from the temple, but it moved throughout the city. Hallelujah. Like I said last week, the church is an embassy of the kingdom. So when we come together, what we do is that we are in service. There's a reason why we call it church service. When you take your car to the mechanic to service it, he works on it so that it is in good shape. So wherever you have come from, with all the bombardment of life, all the disappointments and failures and whatever, when you come to church, you come to be serviced. And we are serviced so that we can flow throughout the city. Extend the kingdom of God to wherever we find ourselves. Are we together? Yeah. There is a river that flows. Let me push it. Let me push it. Do you know that the ultimate purpose of knowledge is to make the recipients of that knowledge become what it is? In other words, if we put you in a medical school, we expect that when you come out, you'll not be a carpenter, you'll be a doctor. The reason why we receive the knowledge of Jesus, so that we become like him. The Bible says in 1 John, now are we sons of God, I think verse 3, and it does not appear what we shall be like, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall, so as we see him as he is, we, we appear, we are like him. So the more knowledge of him we receive that's the word we become like him and we become extensions of that river because that river is actually the administration of the word but we can become the living epistles we can become the living epistles and trust me there are people who don't even believe in the bible so when you tell them i i think that this and this and that and they say no what i say is go and read the bible he will not even read it they don't even believe in the bible but we must be the living epistles. Am I I talking to us? Right. So in the secondary school, we must be the living epistles. In the university, if the lecturer is is not coming, mount the stage and preach. (laughs) Of all the things you have achieved in life as a Christian, How come you don't have this attached to what you have achieved? That I have preached in my class before. It should be an achievement. Hallelujah. In our workplaces, we must be the epistles, living epistles. We must be that river that is flowing. Though it represents the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does not have a form. But when I come out, that should be the Holy Ghost in that place. Was it um, T.L. Osborne? who entered the shop and people were screaming you convict us of sin crying have mercy he was surprised he asked one person why were you shouting the person said i saw jesus "Oh, jesus lives in me once a while he comes out to take fresh (laughs) hallelujah so this river is the holy ghost but people will not see the Holy Ghost walking about. No, the Holy Ghost is like water. He takes the form of the container that it fills. So when he fills someone, he takes that form. Hallelujah. Is it not interesting that two Christians can meet at the workplace and for 15 minutes we are just gossiping? True worshippers gossip and gossip and gossip. Hey, and there's no sharing of the Bible. My brother, I read this. Um, I don't understand. Can you help me to see that? No. And sometimes you can have 10 Christians in that office and there's so much darkness in the place. You can have two Christians in the classroom and there's so much darkness. And the boys can meet and they are talking about the girls they have slept with and they are so comfortable and there are two Christians there. There are two Christians, two Christians, two. Hmm. The Bible says that Elijah was a man with like passions. One man, when he put his knees on the ground, there was no rain for three years, and you have two Christians in the classroom and we cannot effect any change. Is it not interesting that you can have two Christians, In the home. A mother and father. And there's so much darkness in the house. Hey. Hallelujah. There is a river that flows through the city of God. And that river flows from the temple. I'm closing in two minutes. In First Corinthians chapter 6. Paul helps us to understand that we are the temples of God. I said that the concept of building is, is, is a way that God shows us or teaches us about his presence. So from the tabernacle, we move to various temples. The temple was destroyed. Solomon's temple was destroyed. Herod tried to build it. But eventually, we are the temples he says that your body is the temple of the living God and the Holy Spirit dwells in you when we come to that stage where there is no human intrusion in what God is doing and he sits alone in his temple then the river will flow you know sometimes there's so much life in us, so much glory, so much power and anointing, but it is struggling to flow. Why? Because there are human intrusions. But in Ezekiel's temple, there was no human being in the temple. It was God who was seated and the name on the temple was what? Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is present. Are you with me? I believe that one of the things that fights us in our worship of God is the little foxes. Distractions. Distractions. A lot of distractions. Distractions. Amen. And like I said, it's not even a matter of sin, but our will. Our will. Amen. God is sending us as emissaries or as missionaries of his temple and of his kingdom wherever we find ourselves to conclude i want to say that there is coming a move of god which is an outbreak of god's apostolic grace god is taking the world back to the place where he started with his church and the church will take over again but the church is not sending pastors the church will not send evangelists the church will not send prophets the church will not send teachers and apostles but the church will send accountants you didn't hear that there's coming a move of god where god will send people because what he wants to do is so big he can't depend on only the five-fold ministry as we call it he will send emissaries he will send representatives of his kingdom heralds of his kingdom everywhere And if you don't rise, someone else will rise. Because it's God's move. And it's God who is moving. It's God who is doing something. And he'll get his people to do it. And he'll send teachers. God, there's so much nonsense. And somebody must rise up in the spirit of Nehemiah and build again. He will send accountants. He will send footballers. Hallelujah. He will send doctors pharmacists and to go out as heralds of his kingdom. Hallelujah. As true worshippers of the king. Can we just bow our heads in prayer? We hope you were blessed by this message. For more information, please visit our social media websites on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at Family Alive Ministry. Please subscribe, follow, like, and share.